Good morning. Come on, somebody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord, huh? How many of y'all glad for heat? How many of y'all would like to just take SDG and E and burn them down? No, don't do that, but just. <laughs> How many of you know, if you're going to live in California, you better believe God. Come on, can I get an amen? You know, I, there's, there's a lot of people moving out, you know, but I don't know. I just would rather be in the will of God. So if God's got us planted here, here's what I've always said. If God's got you in an expensive area, he must be getting ready to give you some expensive stuff. Meaning, meaning he's going to meet your need. Come on, somebody. He's going to give you a salary that you need or wages that you need. He's going to take care of you. I don't care what rent is. I don't care what gas prices is. I don't care what SDG and E does. If you're in the will of God, come on, say it with me. My God shall supply all my need. Come on, somebody. According to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus, according to, in a manner consistent with his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, so we just got to look at heaven and say, how's heaven doing? I think heaven's doing all right. Come on, everybody. I think heaven, heaven's not, nobody in heaven, angels aren't up there going, dear Lord, what are we going to eat today? Look at the cupboards. No, no. Heaven's got all the needs provided. So come on, as it is there, let it be here. Come on, everybody. So I would encourage you, don't, don't get freaked out and, don't, and make sure that your mouth is not moving away from God, but your mouth is moving towards God, meaning you can't talk lack and have provision in your life. One more time. You cannot talk lack and have God's provision in your life. So if all day, all week, all month, all, all last year, you're saying, I don't know what we're going to do, then guess what? You're not going to know what to do. You are, you are repelling God's provision. So we partner with God, listen to me, with our mouth and with an action. We partner with God with us saying, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Come on, all grace abounds towards me. I have all sufficiency in all things. I have an abundance for every good work and charitable donation. He gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater. He supplies and multiplies my resources for sowing and increases in causing a harvest that accumulates to my account. What are you saying, Pastor Gary? I'm saying the Bible. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whether, I, whether it looks like it or not, I'm going to get my mouth moving with God's will. Come on, everybody. Come on, anybody in the back? Come on, anybody excited about that? And what you're going to start seeing, listen, so that's my mouth, that's my action, that's my praise at the house, and then my attitude and my other action is I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to give offerings. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to look for ways that I can keep partnering with God. I want to encourage you to do that because as you do that, you're going to start see God work some things in your life and cause increase to come in your life that maybe you haven't up until now. Come on. God will not be in debt to anybody. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and he'll add everything you need in your life. Come on, somebody. It'll work for a 14-year-old. It'll work for an 84-year-old. It'll work for a widow. It'll work for a guy that's got a high, high rent payment or whatever, house payment. It'll work for anybody who just decides, I'm going to get God in his will working in my life. He's my father. Come on, and we've got four kids. We've got five grandkids now. And we, come on, we, we're still sending them money. Come on, somebody. Come on, we're still helping them whenever we can. We're still blessing them whenever we can. Why? Because they're your kids. They're your grandkids. Come on, how many know you got a good, good father? Come on, everybody. He's a good, good father. Yeah. So just leave the stress, leave it all, the rest of that, and just set your agenda to seek first God's kingdom. Partner with the kingdom with your action, your giving. Partner with the kingdom with your mouth. Give God your entire life. And you're going to start seeing 2023. And the next 11 months be a whole lot different than the past 12 months. Listen to me. He keeps being good to us constantly. He will never not be good to you. 
Amen, everybody? All kinds of ways you can give, text to give, you can give by the offering envelopes around, with you can put it back in the back. What we've been doing, of course, most of us during COVID and all that whole thing that happened, we were giving online. So that's really the easiest way to give. You can have recurring giving for some of y'all that are into that. We're just trying to simplify it for all of us because we believe that God's trying to get something to us, not take something from us. Again, we've said this many, many times, the good, good farmer, the guys that are making the best crops that we love to eat at the produce store, they're putting the best seed in the ground. The best seed produces the best crops. So let's keep giving God the best seed that we've got so it keeps producing the crops for the kingdom of God and then we get to enjoy part of it as well. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can bring our tithes and offerings to you and we can call it because your word calls it worship. Lord, we, we worship you with our giving. It's not something different than what we've done a moment ago, singing songs to you, Father. It's an act of our heart partnering with you concerning your will being done right here in Chula Vista, in San Diego, in our lives, in our families, in this church. Father, we, we honor you with the first fruits of our increase. We honor you with our substance, Lord God. And you said you would take care of us. You said you'd provide for us. You said you'd make a way. So we decide we are going to believe that. And our giving is proof of that in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Come on, kind of get a better amen. amen. We are on the third installment of a series that we started about three weeks ago. This will be the third and the final on prayer. Um, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about a lesson from the book of 1 Kings chapter 17 with Elijah. We talked about prayer that will bring new life, prayer that will bring new life. Last week, we talked about the beauty of morning prayer. How, let me just ask you, how's your morning prayer been this past week? Come, come on, yeah, huh? Come on, come on. We, 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 so, so listen to me. Maybe you weren't with us a little bit last week, and maybe you've kind of hit and miss. Listen, there's no condemnation. Just, just pick it up again this week. Give God 10, 15 minutes before, before you start your day and get along with God and just watch God start working in your life. You're going to start hearing him a little bit different and pressing in a little bit more. And I guarantee it's going to happen. I guarantee. You can't ever draw near to God and him not draw near to you. It's impossible. It's impossible. So, so that's why we're passionate about that. And we just want you to own the morning because all throughout the, the, the life of Jesus, he, he often withdrew to the wilderness. We, we, we painted the picture last week, and hopefully you, you got it all. Today, I really want to talk to you about this last thought, uh, and, and, and it's a bold thought. You can stick with me. I'm going to read you three scriptures, three portions of scripture, and, and then we'll, we'll make some declarations, tell you about what we're, where we're going to go, and then we'll come back and I'll, I'll explain these scriptures to us. But I want to talk to you today really about this thought, is, is that prayer that takes territory. Prayer that takes territory. B because... If we're not careful, what, what will happen in our life is that we'll, we'll allow things to go on in our life that God never wanted allowed in your life. Things where the encroachment of the enemy keeps coming and he keeps kind of like moving the fence of your life. And he, he, he's, listen, uh, he, he's coming. Like somebody said, if you, if you open up the door to the devil, he, he's just not going to come and, and, and just uh, uh, to try, to, try to bring a sack lunch. No, listen, he's bringing all his stuff. He plans on living in your house forever. And so if you crack the door, he's going to put his foot in there. He's going to make the door be wider. And he's going to come in and he's going to take over your life. I mean, Jesus actually tells a story about that concerning someone that had a devil in him. And the devil got cast out, but he didn't do anything else with his life. Didn't do anything else with his temple. And, and the, the state of that man was worse at the end than it was at the first. Because he didn't do anything with what God instructed him to do. When your life is clean, you got to fill it with the word of God. Come on, everybody. Amen. Come on, you got to fill it with the Word of God. Get around God's people, get around the Word of God. So today I want to talk to you about prayer that takes territory. For you individually, for us as a church, even in our city, I believe we have realm, we have a realm of authority in our city, but definitely you as a person, you and the business God called you to do, prayer that takes authority. Let's look at three scriptures this morning. Matthew chapter 11, We'll start in verse 12, then we'll read Luke chapter 16, then we'll read Ephesians chapter 6, all in order. Read with me there. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That's very interesting. We'll come back to that. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, verse 14, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. Look at what verse 15 says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall we like in this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance and we mourned for you and you didn't lament. Let's read a parallel scripture that Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, notice the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. One last scripture, Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Notice these four realms. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting a human. We're not fighting an ethnicity. We're not fighting a government. That's not who our fight's against. But we are in a fight. We are in a wrestling match, it goes on to tell us. Who are we wrestling against? Fourfold wrestling match against you and my life every single day. Teenager, this is coming against you every day. Young adult in college or just starting work, this is coming against you every day. Person who believes the word, person who's not quite sure where they stand with the word, this is coming against you and me every day. What is coming against you and me every day? There's a principality that's ruling in the heavenly realm. There's powers in an unseen realm you can't see, I can't see, but are there. There's rulers of darkness in this age. And there are spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Demonic angels, spiritual hosts of wickedness. Just like there's spiritual hosts of godliness, God's angels in the heavenly place. There is a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly realm. Listen to me. Over Eastlake, over San Isidro, over Chula Vista, over La Mesa. Listen to me. They're over this church constantly trying to have influence into whoever is unsuspecting, whoever doesn't know who they are, whoever doesn't know their stand. This is what we are up against constantly. There's a word that's used 50 times, it should be noticeable for all of us, in the book of Deuteronomy, and it is the word possess. It's used 50 times. It's used by Moses, that God told Moses, when you go into the land to, 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 bring, uh, to occupy the land, it, it, it's your land, the land called the land of promise, but, but he tells him, you are going to have to possess the land. It, it, it's crazy. Listen to me. Don't, when you read the Bible, if you see a word over and over and over, your spiritual antenna or your natural antenna needs to go up. How come this word possess is constantly being spoken in Deuteronomy 50 times? It's in Exodus. It's in the book of Numbers, but 50 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Listen to me, is that God's telling them, when you go into the land, yes, I've given you the land. Yes, you, this is your territory, but it's not going to come free. It's not going to come easy. You are going to have to possess it. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, possess it. Going to have to possess it. Let's talk about this because this is huge. Let me give you a definition here. In fact, I'll give you two. The word possess means you're going to have to seize the land. Seize the land. You're going to have to occupy the land. You're going to have to expel and cast out the current inhabitants of the land. You're going to have to drive out and dispossess whoever is in it. God says, I want you to possess the land. Listen to me. Get it, everybody. You're going to seize it. You're going to have to seize it. That, that's going to be forceful. And not just seize it. You're going to have to occupy all streets, baby. You have to occupy the land. And anybody that's in your land, they think it's their land, but it's really your land. It's your territory. 
you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to expel them, and you're going to have to cast them out. And then you're going to have to drive them out. When they try to come back, you better have a driving out cattle rancher mentality because you're going to have to, even though you got them out, them boogers are going to creep back in. You're going to have to drive them out, and you are going to have to continually have a I'm going to dispossess you attitude. Come on, somebody say amen. Listen, this isn't some, you know, I don't know if this is even a way to say something. Some mamby-pamby, this is light. This isn't Christianity light. This is an aggressive word, possess, just like what we read a moment ago from Matthew chapter 11 when Jesus said, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, interesting, we'll talk about it, and the violent take it by force. This violence, and we'll talk about it, isn't a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing, but there has to be some kind of fight in you. Mike Tyson says everybody's a good fighter till they get punched in the face. Come on, somebody. Till you get hit in the face. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if it's working for me. I don't know if I like this. I don't know. I thought it was going to be easy. I I thought if I just came to church, my life would make sense. I just thought if it was 21 days of prayer and fasting and I I didn't eat some beans and rice for a couple of days, I thought in 2023 it would be different. No, listen to me. You're going to have to seize what God wants you. You're going to have to occupy. You're going to have to cast some stuff out. You're going to have to expel some stuff. You're going to have to drive out and keep displacing things in your life. Because the enemy wants to keep coming. The principalities and powers and, and spiritual wickedness in heavy places all around us are going to keep trying to lie to you, steal to you, try to deceive you, saying what you're doing's not working. The Bible doesn't work. Serving God's not working. Look at your life. Listen, you're going to have to take a stand and stand and stand like Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 tells us. That's what it tells us. Another definition for this word possess is a little simpler or, you know, just a little shorter, I should say, that the word possess means to drive out and just displace the former tenant. Just drive out and displace the former tenant. Uh, um, uh, we, we are living in a crazy generation, and this is no dig. This is in every big city right now. This is no political statement, and this is definitely not anything against the homeless crowd, what's going on. But we, we, we know we are living in a homeless, um, troubling time for whatever reason, whether it's addiction, whether it's all, all kinds of things, whether it's prices of, of, of rent and all kinds of things like that, and we're not here to discuss all that. But, but if we're not careful, we will allow, and we've seen in businesses and big cities that we've got this squatter mentality that comes onto the porch of your business or your situation or wherever you're doing stuff, and they start taking over. Forgive me. Just forgive me for a second. I'm already asking you to forgive me, so don't look at me with those glaring eyes. And, 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 and the enemy, per se, not the homeless population, but listen to me, the enemy, I'm using this analogy, brings in tent city to the middle of your business. Tent city to the middle of your house. And listen to me. The government now will say, the government of the world says, it's okay, you got to let them go. Listen to me, but the government of God says, get them off your possession. This is not a homelessness thing. This is not that. This is not being mean. But we're looking at a spiritual application. When that comes into your life, you have to dispossess. You have to expel. You have to cast out. You have to get them off your property line. Because listen to me, they're bringing stuff you don't want. They're bringing stuff, and listen to me, they're bringing their friends. And pretty soon, you just don't have a tent, you got an encampment. Listen to me, we've seen it naturally, but I'm talking spiritually. And so we have to drive out, and we have to know how to displace the former tenant whether it's healing, whether it's salvation, whether it's things with our kids, things with our minds, whether it's peace, whether it's joy, whatever it is that the enemy's trying to steal from you, you've got to know how to possess God's possession and drive that tenant out of your life. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, again, we're not talking about some physical overthrow. We're not talking about some... <laughs> some natural thing that's going on. We're not talking about a January 6th thing in the White House. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about mob mentality. 
Listen, here's what we know is that our fight is in the spiritual realm and it manifests itself in our natural realm. This is what Ephesians 6 tells us. This is what Jesus told us in Matthew 11. This is what he tells us and we're going to find out in Luke chapter 16. This spiritual realm, this fight in this realm we can't see is real there even though we can't see it, even though our ears aren't tuned to it, but we can see with our natural eyes things that don't appear to be like heaven. And God says, you now, as my people, need to know how to dispossess the enemy that's squatting on your life and on your property. You need to know how to cast out, expel, remove him from dominating you and your life and your children and your grandchildren and subsequent generations. We, We need to know how to do that in our own church and not just, well, I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to find out what to do. Listen to me. We're going to pray and we're going to act. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, again, our fight's not against any natural person, any natural organization. The weapons that God's given us are spiritual in nature. We read that already. But listen, here's what God's asking us to do. God's asking us, and God is requiring us to pray. Come on, to pray. We were doing that during 21 days of prayer and fasting. Then actively possess his possession. So anytime that there is something that I must do, an action I must do, I've got to partner with that. It's not just praying, but when I, when I get up off my knees from praying, God's going to say, I need you to do this. I want you to pray for that person, but now I need you to pick up the phone and call that person. I I want you to pray for this situation, but now maybe for some of you, I want you to get involved in the city and help alleviate the pain of our city if it's homelessness, if it's food deprivation, if it's foster care, whatever it is. God doesn't want us just to pray. He wants us to get involved and to do. Amen, everybody? And, and again, what, 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 what do we do? We, 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 know, we know the scripture. We know Psalm says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. We, we know that. The earth is the Lord's. The, the Lord owns the earth. This is his territory. And he's placed us here like he did Adam in the Garden of Eden, in paradise. He's placed us here as the lawful owners of this earth. Now, Satan here is a pseudo-owner, and he's trying to bring his darkness and his agenda. And come on, everybody can see it is running rampant right now. It's been fast-tracked, come on, everybody, in the last four or five years. Stuff that we would never dreamed of happening happening. We got men not knowing if they're men, women not knowing if they're women. We got men thinking they can have babies and menstruate. Listen, we are in a crazy time. We got people going in different bathrooms and we got all kind of crazy stuff. And when you stand up and say, this ain't right, they call you all kinds of names. But listen to me, our fight has got to be in a realm we can't see so we can win the realm in which we do see. Come on, everybody. Yeah. But listen, you cannot just be silent. And we know if you raise your voice, you might be called a bigot. You might be called unjust. You might be called a Bible thumper. But we're going to find out if we'll start winning the battle in prayer. Listen to me. That's where the tide will turn. Come on, everybody. Say amen if you believe it. Yeah, we fight different. Come on, we fight different. Our fight's not against and against and against and against. Our fight is against this spiritual realm that's trying to mess. Listen, how's that working, Pastor Gary? Because the spiritual realm, these demons and principalities and powers and the, the, the wickedness in heavenly places is trying to come and lie to the people who are open and suspect to it. That's how that. How does that law get passed? How does that law get passed? Somebody who's not in God's camp and had a squatter show up at their door, they cracked the door and that squatter called some crazy demon said, you need to be believing this. You need to be pro this. You need to be announcing this. You need to have an agenda and make a law of this and get people thinking about it. And it spreads and it spreads and it goes and it goes till all of a sudden, if you come against it, you're a crazy person and you hate people or whatever it is. And you look back and you go, how did we get here? Principalities, powers, host of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
that are speaking to unsuspecting and people who don't know how to possess who they are in Christ and God's will for their life. But I'm talking to some people who know what to do. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm come on. Am, am I talking to the right crowd? Yeah, I think we are. So we fight different. How we fight? We fight with love. We fight with love. We fight with righteousness. We fight with peace. We're not like, you know, you jump me, I'm jumping you. No, no, that's not how we fight. We fight with compassion. We fight with the word. We fight with prayer. We fight with fasting. That's how we fight. That's how we fight. That, that, that's the first thing we do. That, then as action demands, we, 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 we act. Come on, we, we act, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We said this a couple weeks ago, or last week, when, when, you know, this, this, this thought that said, when you pray, we've got to move our feet. So when we pray, and I would encourage you, maybe you do this already, but I would encourage you, when you go to the store and you look around and you drive downtown Chula or San Diego, wherever you go, wherever you live, and you see something that doesn't line up with God's will, God's will in heaven, use that opportunity to pray. Come on, everybody. Use that opportunity. Lord, this doesn't line up with your will. I'm going to pray over this situation right now. I'm not going to curse this situation. I'm not going to damn this situation. I'm not against the people. I'm against the devil and his damnedness, if that's a word, that's coming against people made in the image and the likeness of God. And so we're going to do warfare. Come on, everybody. And I'm not talking about, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're like frothing while you're in Walmart and you're like, ah, like some crazy-eyed, you know, Old Testament prophet. I'm just talking about you walking around and just under your breath going, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Change that situation. I mean, you're walking, come on. I, know, I go to Walmart and I pray in tongues. Come on, somebody. You need tongues in Walmart. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> Listen, spiritual problems. Look at this thought. Spiritual problems. Read this out with me. Come on, everybody. One, two, three, read. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. And our problems are more spiritual than you think. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. In other words, listen to me. I, I, I'm going deep right now for a second. I'm going to mess with your head. I don't care if you love Trump or you love Biden. They ain't your problem, and they ain't your hero. There is a demonic force behind them trying to mess with everybody. Spiritual problem. Ain't, your, ain't the government. It's just not the government. It's what's behind it. Oh, what, what, what's, what's messing with your business? What's messing with your life? What's messing with your health? It's just not your genetic code. It's just not that you just... You've been run down because you're a little bit busy. No, there, 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 there's some demonic opportunity and action coming against you and me that must be dispossessed. It must be expelled. It must be removed from your and my life. And if we're not careful, we allow it to go in. And the devil says, oh, I keep putting migraines on you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You ain't, you, you ain't, you're not taking a stand against migraines? Okay, cool. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw a little arthritis on you now. Oh, you, you're not taking a stand against arthritis? Okay, cool. You, you ain't going to the, oh, you come to church, but you, you've been hearing about Jesus and he's a healer, but you've never been lifting your voice and praising God that the word of God's working in your life. So we're, we're going to throw arthritis on. Oh, oh, let, let's, let's get your heart rate up. Let's, let's get the blood pressure going and see if you do anything then. Oh, and then we're going to mess with your ears so you can't hear and your eyes. If you don't stand against, he's coming more and more to take more and more of your life, physically, financially, maritally, with your kids, with your future, until pretty soon you, your life that was supposed to be big and expansive, your territory has come to be the size of a postage stamp. And God says, I want you to live a big, full life and experience all that heaven has for you, and you can. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. Come on, let's go a little bit more. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I love this scripture. If you don't know this scripture, get it. Come on, Zechariah 4, 6, 7. So he answered and said to me, this, the God answered and said to Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That's, that's a good name. Come on, anybody having a child, a, a male child coming up? Why don't you name your child Zerubbabel? I double dog dare you. <laughs> we just call him Z. Come on, somebody, we call him Z. 
What's he say? Not by might, nor by power. Come on, somebody, but yell it out. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, I love this verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Hmm. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Hmm. Mountain, flat like a plain. And he, Zerubbabel, shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. Grace to it. That's, that's a pretty crazy thing to be shouting to a mountain. Grace to it. I thought, well, I thought a big, big mountain, I thought some thing, obstacles stand in our way that we'd be, we'd be binding and loosening and casting down and in Jesus' name and we cast you to the pit of hell. No, we just shouting grace to it. Hmm. Must be something different than what we know about in the New Testament, what grace means. Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. So, so let, let, let's, let's dig in a, 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 for a few minutes here. So, so he says that this is going to happen not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So thought, those three thoughts, let's just talk about them for a second. It's not going to happen by might, not going to happen by mental might, not going to happen by mental might, or planning, or just executing natural strategies. It, it can't move this mountain. Now, now listen, there's some things in your life that you absolutely have to plan. If you're in business, you're doing stuff, even a, you got a budget in your house, of course, everybody should have a budget. There's mental planning. There's things going on. There, there, you need to execute a natural strategy. But listen to me, that mountain in your life maybe has been a long-standing situation. Listen, if, if, you're, if you're facing uh, severe things in your body physically, uh, j j listen, you, you, can, you can be gluten-free and keto. You can, you can get off the tortillas and you can eat nothing but greens and suck cucumber juice and still be busted up in your body. I'm all for it. Eat good, live long. I'm into that. I'm down with that. But listen to me. There are some things in your life that just a natural strategy won't remove that mountain. Not by might. Then he says not by power. Check it out. Not by power. Power from armies or multitudes can't move this mountain. Getting everybody to pray. Getting everybody to help you. I just need some... No, that's not going to move this mountain. But he says here, this mountain is going to be moved by, by my spirit. So, so spiritual forces, listen, spiritual forces are moved by the spirit of God. So we need to, we need to get God's spirit working in our life against things coming into our life, against every mountain, no matter how long the mountain's been there, no matter how, listen, Adam, what I know about mountains, you don't hardly ever see just one mountain. Mountains come in mountain ranges. <laughs> I was riding in the East County yesterday, 75 miles, help me Jesus. And, and you know, if you've been out there, we rode from here. I rode from here to my house in East Lake and went down to Donnie's Cafe on Bonita Road. And then we went out to Alpine. Come on, I'm out at Alpine. And when you get to Alpine, then we're climbing. Then we we'll go down Hopatool Road. Y'all been out there? And then you go up Hopatool Road over to the other side. Of the, it's called the Great Western Loop. And you're coming and you're going, dear Lord, how many hills are out here? And you just keep going. And it's mountain after mountain after mountain. Listen to me. And the only way, if you're on a bike or if you're a runner, whatever you're doing, only way to get up that thing is keep on pedaling. Only way that the Spirit of God, only way that a mountain's going to move in your life, only way is going to be connected to the Spirit of God. And so if you're trying to figure it all out with your mental ability, if you're trying to read books, I'm down, I read books all the time. But listen, just a book, just going to a counseling session, as good as that's going to be, going to give me some tips. But there's some stuff in my life and your life that the only way it's going to be removed is by the Spirit of God. Now, Zerubbabel, we just read, was instructed by God to shout grace, shout grace to this mountain. So there are just some things in your life, if you're going to get the devil from squatting on your property, you are going to be required to lift up your voice. That's one thing during praise and worship. If you're a little bit self-conscious, listen to me. Just get around somebody who's real loud. Come on. Come on, somebody. Like the third row over here. Come on. Alicia, she's doing praise and worship. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! You hear me over here, I'm worshiping. Come on, just get around somebody who's lifting their voice. And you just go ahead and lift your voice and just shout grace 
to every mountain in your life. And come on, there's going to be something that's released. The Bible says that. So that's what we do with these mountains and these opponents that are coming into our life, taking territory. We go after them, not just by natural things, not by mental things, not by trying to get everybody involved. We ourselves have been given authority by God to come against every mountain that's attacking the will of God in your life. Can you say amen? amen. So what's grace mean? What does this word grace mean? Again, New Testament, New Testament, it's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. But here it actually means, grace means calling on the operations of the power of God. So when, when God tells Zerubbabel, hey, this isn't going to happen by might or by power, but by my spirit. And he says, he says you're going to bring the capstone of, of this building. You're going to bring the capstone of this new temple, this temple that was destroyed. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rebuild it again. And, and, and when that capstone is set, come on, when, when, when that corner is set, that, that cornerstone, that capstone, while, while this building's getting built, we're going to shout grace to it. We're going to call on the operations of God, even though it's not built yet, even though it's just been dug and the capstone, the foundation, this cornerstone of a future glorious temple is going to be erected, but I'm asking you to shout to your mountain, to call on God's operation to bear in your life, in your marriage, in your family. I'm not going to tolerate anymore. I'm not going to let this go on anymore. Lord God, I'm shouting grace to my body. Grace. I'm calling on the operations of God of salvation and healing and deliverance and victory and peace and joy and love and provision and the will of God. Come on, somebody. You do that. Come on, you do that. Come on, I bet you do that. Yeah. Get God's word being declared in your life. Declarations. Man, let's go back real quick. Let's, let's, let's tie up some stuff. Uh, back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And we'll look at Luke 16. Matthew eleven twelve. 12. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Remember that? So, so just as you look at that, here's, the, here's what theologians and a lot of people, there, there's two sides of this, but I, I, I believe that I, what, where I lean, I hope you lean too, is, is this. Here's the question that people are asking, and here it is. Is the, kingdom, is the kingdom of heaven, is the kingdom of heaven a victim to the violence? Or is the kingdom of heaven a victor in the violence? Uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That, 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 that's kind of like, I got a squatter in my house, and he's trying to bust down my door and bust down my windows. Is the kingdom of God a victim to the violence? Or is the kingdom of God a victor in the violence? Again, to answer this, answering this for you personally is, is huge. Is, is huge for you seeing victory or not and, and then foundational for you using your authority in prayer. Meaning this, as you look at stuff, you look at stuff in your own life, you look at stuff in your marriage, you, maybe you kids at school, you, you know, you're in school and you look at some of your friends and go, I can't do anything about that. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. Sure you can. If you'll take your authority and you'll use your authority, you can stop a lot of stuff right there where God's placed you. Don't underestimate the power of God. So, so do, do you have a hold the fort mentality? Just hold out and pray and get around a candle and, 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 and hope that the world system that, that's, and, and the culture that's creeping in doesn't creep in your life before you leave this life? Is, is, is that your mentality? Or is your mentality, I'm going to occupy and I'm going to do business till God comes. I'm going to displace and expel. I'm going to cast down. I'm going to remove. I'm going to let the light of God shine. It's going to expel darkness in my life. Come on. It, the, the text tells us, listen, this text tells us that the kingdom of God is advancing in the middle of conflict. If there is no conflict, there would not be any need for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God working in your life will continue to move forward and push back the darkness that's bringing conflict and bringing all kinds of disaster in your life, in your business, with your family. So the phrase here, the phrase that says, the violent, notice, take it by force. 
The violent take it by force. A couple different things. It says that they're strong. They're fierce. Different translations. They're undaunted. They're determined. Is this you? This is what me and you are supposed to be like. When it comes to the kingdom of God, working in mind in your life, it's not happening by passivity. It's not happening by natural aggression. We're just not like frothing, you know, uh, Rottweilers ready to jump through a fence and, and eat up a mailman. Come on, somebody. We're the kingdom of God. We can pray and take authority, listen, under our breath. Come on, everybody. We, 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 every, every place the sole of our feet goes, God says, I've given you. Come on, God gives us, listen, I believe God gives us authority in our city. I believe God gives you authority in the job he's placed you in. In, 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 in that hospital room, in the nurse, Denise Becker. God giving you authority. God, wherever you're in your school, come on, teenagers, college students, God gives you authority that everywhere you go, light's shining and hope's coming and peace is coming and joy is coming and salvation can be experienced because God has given you authority and every place you go, God goes. Come on, somebody say amen. So the violent, take it by force. This has got to be you. So listen to me. Some of us need to get just a little bit more aggressive in the realm of prayer. And not just prayer, let's talk about this. Because when Jesus talked about this, we read it a moment ago, and you've probably forgotten, and that's no dig, we've just been moving on. Jesus uses two people. Listen to me. Jesus gives us two people to look to concerning what we talked about. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. One's John the Baptist, the other's Elijah. Now when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. And if you don't know, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He was born six months before Jesus. That John the Baptist was a predecessor. A, a, he was the forerunner of Christ. And Jesus said his ministry, John the Baptist's ministry, was just like Elijah's ministry. What we know from John the Baptist is a couple things here that we can read in the chapters that we have before he was beheaded is that John the Baptist was a couple things. He was non-religious. He was bold in preaching. He called people to repentance. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is going to advance around in you and around you and through you by you and I taking the baton, taking the word of God, and number one, being non-religious. We are living in a generation that old remedies and old styles and old, the way people used to do church, it ain't working for the generation anymore. Listen to me. People aren't coming and people don't want to hear some preacher up beating on the table and saying, turn or burn, you're going to hell. We talk about hell, but if it's every 52 weeks a year, ain't nobody coming. They don't want to hear it from you. They, don't want, they didn't hear it from Jesus. He didn't do it. The apostles didn't do it. So don't do it. It doesn't work. It's got to be peppered in some things that we say, but it isn't the main message. It's got to be non-religious. John the Baptist was definitely non-religious, but he was bold in preaching. So there's got to be something in your and my life to go, hey man, that's crazy over there. You need to stop this, shut that down. That's against the word of God. That's against, that's against morality. That's against the laws of nature. And listen to me, John the Baptist called people to repentance. Listen, there's going to be some time that God's asking you to tell some people, buddy, you just need to change your mind and change your direction. Repentance. Then we find Elijah. Elijah was this other guy. He was bold in calling, the, calling out the nation that was in sin, calling that crazy king Ahab and his crazy wife Jezebel. He was confrontational. So there's going to be some confrontation probably in your life occasionally against sin and darkness. But he was used by God in miracles. He, he, he was used by God in miracles. So I see that God, what's God want to do for us? What's God want to do through us? God wants us to be non-religious. Be you. Come on, do with your skin on. Come on, you don't have to be me or anybody else. Do you and reaching the people in your realm of influence. Preach the gospel. Preach love. Come on, preach compassion. Preach salvation. Come on, be confrontational. If somebody says, well, you know, what about, well, no, I don't see that because that's not what the Bible says. I mean, come back with the word of God and, and, and let's believe God for signs, wonders, and miracles, everybody. Come on, amen? Yeah. 
Look, God's kingdom moves forward personally. God's kingdom moves forward personally and church-wide when we allow the gospel to break the status quo of man's perceived ideas. You've had it all the time. I hear it all the time. I, I, you know, when I start talking to people about church, well, you know, church. And I said, well, you don't know our church. Come on, somebody. Come on. You don't know our church, right? When I say, listen, listen, just because you had a bad, just because you had a bad restaurant, you still go into restaurants. Come on, check out our restaurant. Come on. So, so, so God's kingdom is going to move forward personally in your life, right? And church-wide. When we allow the gospel to just break up the status quo, that's what Jesus was saying in this, in, this, in, in, in this few verses in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, this generation, we read it, is like, it's soft, he said. It's like children playing games. That's what he said. Here's what he, used, here's what he went on to say. This culture, it, it, it dances to the music of culture. This generation... It dances to the music of culture, either looking for one or two things, religious entertainment or dead traditions. This is what's going on right now. Listen to me. Oh, I come to church. You, you got some smoke? You got lights? You got a cool band? You got, listen, I ain't coming for regular coffee. You got espresso? Uh, you got parking up close? Have you got some services that are... Mm, I'll give you 65 minutes. Religious entertainment. Or the opposite. Dead. People would rather go to a dead church, some, than an alive church. Because in a dead church, you don't have to change. All you got to do is put a mirror under your nose and you got a breath you okay. <laughs> Jesus said, here, this culture 2,000 years ago, child's play. We won't even dance. We, we be entertained. And you're playing the flute, and you're playing the lot, and you're playing dead music, and dead. The culture is dead. Listen, the only way, the only way, we possess the land is by uh, applying and inflicting a violent assault on the enemy. This is done firstly. Come on, say it with me in prayer. Come on, clap, if, clap your hands, all you people. Yeah. So we just, we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting, but I wish we'd have 21 days of prayer and fasting every three weeks. Because I just believe that we, we, it's not, not one done. We check the box. Don't, listen, can I encourage you uh, to start adding fasting to your regular prayer schedule? And, and just skip a meal and pray. And pray for your stuff in your own life. And pray for your family. And pray for the church. And pray for the will of God. And, and, and this is how the kingdom of God is going to keep moving forward and, and advancing. Uh, that we continually have influence in the city. Then we read the same scripture that we read again one more time in Luke 16, 16 that Jesus says, since the time of the kingdom of God has been preached. Check it out. The time that the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone's pressing into it. Know what's interesting? This word pressing is the very same word as violence that's used over there in Matthew. So the kingdom of God is violent. The kingdom of God requires a press. The kingdom of God is going to work in your and my life and move in your life as we adhere to preaching. Preaching. Don't minimize the Bible. Don't minimize what's going on in here. What's going on in here is the sower right here is sowing the word. It's sowing the word. And however, what goes on in your life now, from my point, is up to you. I'm not trying to be arrogant. It's just a fact. The farmer, after he sows the seed, he prepares the soil, then the soil's got to do the rest. Now, when I'm reading the word and I'm hearing the word, it's not on the preacher, it's not on the book, it's not even on Galatians or Psalms or Ephesians or even Jesus talking. It's up to this boy right here right now to receive the seed of the word of God and say, I'm going to possess, I'm going to drive some stuff out of my life. I'm going to expel some stuff. I'm going to let this work in me and bring 30, 60, 100 fold in my life. Caleb, 
84 years old, says, give me this mountain. Give me some territory. I'm not done. I, I, I can still drive out and I can still dispossess the enemy. So it's not an age thing. It's not an age thing. It's not an age thing. It's not what well, I'm getting old and slow, and that's for the young. And, and yeah, we want the young generation. Come on, listen, if you're under 30, if you're under 35, if you're under 36, 37, 38, you are the next leaders of this church. You are the leaders of this church. We need you stepping up and stepping out and getting involved and doing and serving and praying. And we have prayer meetings. Y'all need to be here. Come on, we have outreach events. You need to lead it. You need to be leading ministry. Because, we, come on, somebody, if the church is going to grow, it's going to happen with the young people. Come on, everybody. Every revival. In America, that's ever moved happened with college age students taking territory. But there's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. You read stories like this that Jesus, he gets in the boat and he goes to the other side with his disciples. Guess who the first brother was that met him on the seashore in Mark 5? A maniac of Gadara. Why? Because he's coming into new territory. And the devil says, I'm squatting here, baby. You ain't coming over here. And he cut himself, and he lived in the tombs, and he was crazy. They couldn't even bind him with chains. What's Jesus do? Kingdom of God's here, man. You ain't going to stay in my territory. Come out of him, devil. Come on, somebody. He didn't let it go on. Didn't let him follow him. Dealt with the devil. This is my territory. Abraham, Old Testament, Gen 13. God tells Abraham, hey, buddy, look north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, I've given you. Doesn't make a difference what Lot has. Doesn't make a difference what the enemy has. This is your land. This is your possession. So we know, we've been praying this from Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Come on, everybody. Your will be done. What? On earth as it is in heaven. Come on, say it one more time. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as it is in heaven. Listen, the enemy, I'm convinced, the enemy, especially during these last several years, the enemy wants you to say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. Say nothing. Just accept it. Just accept Don't Don't do anything. And then for sure, don't try to be anything. No, listen to me. The kingdom of God is going to advance with men and women through bold preaching of the Word of God. Bold preaching of the Word of God. Signs and wonders and miracles. Come on, everybody. We're going to believe God that God's anointing you with the Holy Ghost and power. That everywhere you go, you are taking territory for the kingdom of God. Can I get a better amen in the room? Yeah, yeah. And so what do we do? Well, like we've been saying all morning, we'll finish right here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to keep praying. Come on, brother. Thanks, Leo. We're going to keep praying. Listen, prayer breaks the fear of the enemy. It breaks the fear. So let me encourage you. Some in the room, uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit timid. Uh, listen, pray until you're not afraid anymore. Pray till you're not afraid. And prayer is going to allow you to see what God sees. Come up to the mountain. I'm going to shout grace to that mountain. This mountain is going to fall beneath my feet. It might look huge now. I'm going to climb. There's going to be some exertion. going to be some things that I'm going to come against and take the word of God. Maybe get a couple prayer partners with me. But it's just not going to be the same. It's just I, I'm not allowing this in my life anymore. The prayer, listen to me, that's going to change the scenery in your life. The authority that God's given you can't be just given to you by somebody laying hands on you. It's you rising up and saying, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pretty much done with this. I'm just pretty much done with this. This isn't going to keep going on be a part of my life. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to come to the Word of God day in and day out like we read that widow woman who came to that unjust judge and the Bible says she got exactly what she came for because she would not quit. David says, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 27. It seems like I come back to this regularly as I talk to you. I come back to it in prayer all the time. David says in Psalm 27, he says, I would have lost heart 
unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, wait. He says, and he'll strengthen your heart. God's going to strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. I say, wait on the Lord. Come on. I, I would have lost heart. Has your heart been lost? When you look at culture, when you look at things in your own life, in your own family, has it shrunk? Has it dropped? Been drooping? Would have lost heart. Unless, number one, I believed. I believe that I'll see. That's where hope comes in. I'm going to believe that I see the goodness of the Lord in the land territory that I'm living in right now. That I'm living in right now. So he says, wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait what? Wait in prayer. Wait in expectation. Wait on the Lord. And he's going to strengthen your heart so that you can stand up tomorrow and come against the enemy. Come on, you do realize when David took that sling and he hit Goliath, that Goliath fell down. Most theologians don't believe the brother was dead. They don't believe he was dead yet. He fell down. He could have been dead. I don't know. A lot of them don't believe he's dead. Because guess what David did? He took Goliath's sword and he chopped off Goliath's head. Come on, somebody. Don't stop till you got a head in your hand. Come on, somebody. Hey, hey, come on. And David was a teenager. So he's probably like, ah! Right? Then guess what he did with the sword? He took the sword and he put it in his own tent. And every time he'd look by, go, look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord did. Come on, everybody. What's interesting about that is years later, that sword actually made it back to a city called Nob. And David went and got that sword again. Listen to me. Just because you used it once doesn't mean you won't need it again. Just because the enemy's been off your porch for a few months doesn't mean he won't come back again. You got to take that sword and keep coming after the enemy. Amen, everybody. I preach way too long. You listened way too good. Come on, stand up, everybody in the room. Come on, stand up. All over the room. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Father, you've been with us all day. We've sensed your presence. Lord, help us take territory that you have for us in our own lives, in our families, in our business, in our church, in the, in the city in which we live and reside. Father, we give you our life again today. We ask you that we would be those that were called fruitful, that we'd multiply. We'd fill the earth. We'd take authority over situations that you placed in our path, Lord God. Again, in these realms of influence, Father, help us to know how to pray even more and more effectively. Give us words to speak that we can preach the gospel unashamedly with great, great boldness and courage to a wayward generation, oh God. We pray, oh God, that it would be like Jonah when he went to Nineveh, spoke just a few words and the entire city repented. Father, we pray that there would be in the South Bay here just a spirit of repentance that comes over our city. Come on, church, help me that. Just a spirit of repentance. The people need to call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Come on, all over the room right now, online as well, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're right in the room and you need to call on the name of the Lord. You're away from him today. Maybe the enemy has encamped at your front doorstep, in your bedroom, in your mind, taking up space, and you're confused, and you're maybe hurt, and you don't understand, well, the Bible's real clear. If you give God room in your life, He's going to take over. He's going to come and allow your spirit to be born again. His spirit will fill your spirit and the enemy will have no room in your life. Now it will be up to you to feed your spirit with the Word of God and put godliness and put His will working in your life on a day-in and day-out basis. But you can do it. God's given you that ability, every person that ability. So if you're away from Him today, you don't know Jesus, or you're away from Him, come to church today and you're, you're, you look good on the outside, but man, you just say, I, I need Jesus. I, I know I'm not where I need to be. Good news, he's going to take you. He's going to take you right where you're at. 
You don't have to do anything, but just turn to him. Change your mind, change your direction. We do that by a prayer. So all over the room, when I count to three, if that's you, just say, that's me, Pastor Gary, pray for me. I want to, uh, we're going to say a prayer out loud. You won't be alone in praying. We're all going to pray out loud. It's going to be a spiritual transaction that happens right there in your seat this morning. Come on, all over the room, you want to be included in that? When I count to three, lift your hand. Come on, one, two, three, lift your hand all over the room, all over the room. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for your hands. Thank you for your hands. Thank you very much. Come on, you that raised your hand, you mean this with your heart. That means everything inside you as we pray this prayer. You're just mixing faith with it. We're all going to join with you right now. Come on, say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that, said amen. Come on, let's clap for those that prayed that prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two or three people right here, maybe more online. Come on, come on, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah.